what Jesus is saying really is the requirement is perfection. Even the Pharisees yeah. aren't getting it right. And unless you can be perfect, you're sort of hosed. So that's key for us to understand that there's no way for us to be perfect and that we have to receive the perfection of Christ mm -hmm. instead. Welcome to Study with Friends, a weekly dive into the answers and questions we find in the Bible, the church, and the broader Christian faith. I'm Paige, and you're currently joining us in the middle of our in-depth series on the Sermon on the Mount. This study is different in that it is eight weeks with five daily episodes to help foster a deeper understanding of Jesus's words. If you would like to get the homework, more information about this series, hear past episodes, or access any of our free resources, you can find them all on our website, studywithfriends.org. Coming in for a landing, day five of week four, and I'm proud of this because this is intense and it's complex and it is a blessing to understand the relationship between Christ and the law. And while there are precious few verses that Christ gave us in the sermon to really understand what he means us to take away as far as his relationship to the law, we've explored all over the Bible how we can understand that better. And that's always true. The Bible teaches the Bible. So today I want to do two things. I want to read verses 19 and 20 um, because our scripture for the week was Matthew 5, 17 to 20. We spent a lot of time on 17, some time yesterday on 18, and now we're going to read 19 and 20, and then I want us to really bring it home. Sound good? Okay, so let me read Matthew 5, 19 and 20. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Let's just do a quick drive by. What does he mean here when he says, unless your righteousness surpasses? Doesn't that seem to contradict what we've been talking about all week? I think it's talking about well, I know, actually, that it's saying that we as people are not righteous enough to fit this description. But when we are followers of Jesus and we accept him into our lives and we believe in him, he becomes the righteousness that we mm. can fill this with. Imputed righteousness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to use a super churchy word. That's good, Soph. What do you think he's getting at that see, he says, unless your righteousness surpasses the religious leaders, you have no shot? Part of it goes back to what Sophia said a couple days ago about being a heart relationship, that citing the laws and, and keeping a checklist and checking everything off for the sake of saying, okay, I've fulfilled the law. Yeah, transactionally. Yes, that that's totally different than having a heart relationship with yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And that this is what he wants. He doesn't want you just to be doing it because it's there. He wants you to be doing it because we love him. Yeah. And interesting because the Pharisees and teachers of the law were thought to be the ones who kept the law the best. Mm -hmm. So what Jesus is saying really is the requirement is perfection. Even the Pharisees yeah. aren't getting it right. Yeah. And unless you can be perfect, you're sort of hosed. So that's key for us to understand. And we've been talking about this all week, that there's no way for us 
to be perfect and that we have to receive the perfection of Christ mm. instead. Yeah. So one of the things that I think is comforting about us grappling with the relationship between Christ and the law is that the early church grappled with it too. And so that kind of shows us it's not easy. This is not low hanging fruit. This mm. is not softball stuff. This is hard for us to really reconcile how it comes together in perfection. Let's summarize this passage, Acts 10, 1 through eleven eighteen, by answering a few questions. Who are the main characters in, in this passage? Anybody can answer this. Wait, we're just jumping straight into the question? Yeah, just, just who are the main characters of this passage? Cornelius. Mm-hmm. And Simon Peter. Simon Peter. Mm-hmm. God. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice touch. Uh, yeah, exactly. And then I would say the, the, the servants and the devout soldier, and then also the other believers mm-hmm. yeah, well, the Gentiles, yeah. Well, yeah. so this is an example of the early church grappling with you know the relationship between christ and the law and you know basically this is a story about people who had different perspectives on this if i said cornelius mm-hmm. and peter were the main mains what were their differences in perspective explain that to me Corn- well, cornelius was a gentile right but he loved, he, he understood and loved the God of the God. Jews. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Isn't it just the gospel versus the law? That's the mm. conflict we're seeing here? Let's not get there yet. Okay. You're jumping to the end. Okay. Marilyn, what would you say are there differences in perspective? Peter did not associate with Jews. That was the old um, ceremonial law. Gentiles. I mean, Gentiles, I'm sorry, <laughs> with non-Jews. Um, and that was still an issue at, at that point. What do we do with this law? Right. What, what would you say the differences in perspective well, I mean, to your point, they, they both love the Lord, but one was a Gentile, kind of outside of what the Jewish people at the time thought would be a part of the promises of God, because the you know, pathway, the pathway was, you know, you're we're God's chosen people. You know, I can't associate with them because they're not part of what he's promised us. Right. Do and you know that during that time there were sort of people who they were called Judaizers who who they felt like, okay, you can be a Gentile and you can come into Christ's kingdom, but you have to come in through Judaism. Right. You got to become a Jew first and then you can become a Christian. So Convert. Was that like yeah. yeah. No. No. But this was what they were grappling with. Uh-huh. They were like, well, can you just skip right to being a Christian? Oh, okay. Or don't you have to be a Jew first? Because we're the chosen people. We're God's people. Okay. This is what Jody's driving okay. at. Yeah. So this was this challenge, this difference in perspective. How were their res- differences resolved? My answer says Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that well, old Sunday school, Sunday school answer. Right answer. Yeah. It's like the Lord said, you know. Yeah, yeah like, but I mean, it's actually right. It is yeah. right. That yeah. is the right answer but yeah. but give me more meat on the bones tell me about the vision well when peter sees like the the unclean animals and god tells him to eat and peter says that he's not going to eat them because they're unclean and the lord's like don't call them unclean because i say they're clean basically or like i i created them so they're not unclean or mm-hmm. so he's kind of like reframing the well life. actually if you look at, does anybody have this passage open i do does it say, don't call anything clean that I have called clean or something? What is the exact wording? Anything unclean it's, that I've Well, King James, it says, and the voice spake unto him again the second time, what God hath cleansed, uh. that called not thou common. So I've cleansed it, so don't you call it mm-hmm. unclean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And What's your translation say? Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Okay. If I'm keying in on that, mm-hmm. why am I doing that? Because it's a question of... God's intervention that he has intervened and made these people clean as far as he's concerned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, yeah. It's what he does. Made for clean us. 
From what? How? Jesus. Just Jesus walking around? The resurrection, dying on the, the cross. The cross and resurrection, yeah. right? Right, because the kill and eat. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The perfect lamb. Mm-hmm. So it, that's important. I have made it clean. Mm-hmm. It is a new day. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I think is interesting, too, is the specificity of um, it. What you mean? Well, when he goes and he talks about how many times the Lord said it to him, it was done three times that that thing was dropped down for him to see as he was kind of grappling with what he does. And then three people knock at the door. Like it's, it also amazes me how God in his infinite wisdom, he still reaches down and says, I'm going to let you know, it's these three people that are going to come to your door. And I'm going to show you this three times so that you know specifically what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. It's another example of reiteration for uh, reinforcement. Right. And his care for us. To show us exactly what he's talking about. Yeah. And I mean, who can't identify with Peter needing to hear something (laughs) again and again and being stubborn and set and and thinking we're right. And so um, there's so much to take away from this passage. Um, What else what else do you see in there that helps us understand how the early church was wrestling with the law and the gospel of Christ. Peter got flack from the uh, the rest of the uh, Christians about having associated with Gentiles mm-hmm. until he spoke to them and defended what he had done based on what God had told him to do. Mm-hmm. And That's also good. used the fact that the Gentiles received the Holy Spirit, felt that that was a good witness, that this was what, what God wanted. Right. Not just because I said, but because God showed by doing this. So what's your takeaway? I mean, we can use this passage as a springboard, and I want to. So let's spend a few minutes in that, and then we'll do global takeaways from the bigger passage. Um, From the Acts segment, what if we take some of these elements and put them in our modern context? So what are some differences in perspective that people inside the church might have? (laughs) Sabbath keeping. Yeah. Yep. Good. That's a big one. Like what our liberties truly are. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Say more about what you mean by that, because that was a we all understood what you just said. Yeah, but that was a churchy thing. We shorthanded it. I don't know exactly where it is, but I know one of I think it's Paul that says, you know, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. Not Mm -hmm. all things are good for me. And this goes back to the guidelines. So that the Lord has set for us. So and then it also our heart. So there's there's lots of things that we can say, well, you know, Christ died for us. He's resurrected. My sins are cleansed. So in God's eyes, I look like I'm righteous Mm -hmm. because of Christ. Mm -hmm. But there's things that, back to one of the things that you were saying, we inherently know certain things that are not right. I mean, even things that are like, you know, deeper than that, you know, being sober minded and Mm -hmm. things like that. So we know that those are not the things that we should be doing and we struggle with it. But we also know as we mature, Christ takes those desires that are kind of not as hard and fast and like conforms us to his Mm -hmm. image. And then you, you lose the desire to do that as you are maturing, maturing, Mm -hmm. maturing, because it's not matured. I don't think we'll ever be as you are ongoing the maturity of of the work. Right. So one of the things we didn't talk about in this week of digital content, but is in the book Mm -hmm. and, and a strong theme. I mean, I really relied on, there was probably eight or 10 books that I really relied on as I was putting this study together. And one of them Mm. is Bonhoeffer's book called the cost of discipleship. Mm. And the majority of that book is about the sermon on the Mount. And he takes it apart and does a great job. Highly recommend. But one of the things that Bonhoeffer is famous for is coining a phrase called cheap grace. Mm. And you've actually 
touched on it through our time together. And, and cheap grace is really defined as taking the gift of God without allowing it to transform us into closer image of himself. So Bonhoeffer says things like cheap grace is grace without the cross, grace without transformation, grace without a changed life. It's cheap. I'm taking it and I'm cheapening it by saying it covers and I'm not going to make any changes. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, on the other side of that coin, he talks about costly grace. And that's the title of the book, The Cost of Discipleship. And what he means by that is there is a cost to receiving the gift of grace. And that is that we would forfeit our own desires, Mm -hmm. that we become second Mm -hmm. and he becomes first. Mm -hmm. I just feel like it would be remiss for me not to mention he does such a better job mm-hmm. and his circumstance in life is speaks so much more dramatically to these things that we call mm-hmm. costly grace mm-hmm. than we can sit in this comfortable first world, not in a middle of a horrible war and ho- Holocaust situation. We can sit here and pontificate about it, but that's all we're doing. You know, he was living it out. And so I think it's really useful to be taught by someone who's like, I'm not just talking about this, I'm living this. Mm-hmm. And, and he reads the scripture to understand the way he's supposed to live, ethics and how he should behave. And I strongly recommend he dives even deeper into the ethics of behavior in a war like he was living through. But that's a deep look at what you're saying, which is we don't take grace, we don't take the gift of salvation and then just toss it in the corner and say, I've got my ticket and I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. Yeah. Okay. So we can have a lot of differences in our perspective as believers in the same way they did in the Acts section that we're reading through. How are those differences resolved? So Peter had a vision. Do we have revelations that are available to us? Scripture. Yeah. So how do we resolve the differences between ourselves and the church today? I think what we always say is non-essentials. Like, is that kind of what you're getting at? Well, scripture is really, yeah. you know, go to the word. To the word. Yeah. You know, let yeah. God be the one yeah. who helps you resolve whatever your differences might be. Differences come up. People have different thoughts and that's okay. Again, I think that God loves when we seek him and we may encounter differences because we interpret this differently. Mm-hmm. That's okay. What you're referring to is I do love that motto, which is in the essentials, unity in the non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. Mm-hmm. The essentials being by Christ alone, through faith alone, by grace alone, the gospel. And so what I guess I want to leave there too is to say if the scripture doesn't nail it and say this is what's up, mm-hmm. then it's potentially non-essential. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so adultery, not a non-essential. Yeah, it, right, the scripture yeah. is like, nope. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No and all the way no. Murder, no and all the way no. So there are essentials and then there are non-essentials. And then the non-essentials are partnered with in all things. So we should be loving towards each other. Mm -hmm. We should reflect Christ even when we disagree. Also, by the way, one of the essentials is love. Yeah. So that's right. Right, right. So Peter got some pushback. Does that happen in the church when one of us agrees with someone? (laughs) <laughs> when someone disagrees with somebody, do we sometimes criticize each other on how we're handling things or what we what we do with our convictions? Well, we'd love to have roast pastor for dinner after church. Roast pastor. <laughs> mm-hmm. We go home and criticize what was said in the sermon. Pastor. 
What? Roast, roast pasta. Pa- oh, pasta. roast. I was. I thought you yeah. said R O S E. I was like, mm-hmm. What are you talking about? <laughs> She's lost her mind. <laughs> okay, roast. Got it. Oh, I don't. I don't I think I do that. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, uh, a lot of people do. I think uh, I try to really. Res- I mean, I think it probably would be easy to do that, but mm-hmm. I feel like I don't think we do that with our pastor. But we've definitely done it when we go to other churches or. Oh yeah. Like yeah yeah. Yeah, but that's because that. those pastors are wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're dealing with essentials, <coughs> yeah. that's important. Well, yeah, if yeah. they are essentially wrong, then there's yeah. a real problem. Oh, yeah. I, I think I've told this story, and I'm just going to skim by it. It's such a funny story. But we went to a church that shall remain unnamed mm. in a major city center, <laughs> and <laughs> that shall remain uh, unnamed. that shall remain unnamed. Mm. And we is a beautiful church, and we were like oh, so excited to go because I, I don't. Judge me if you will, but I do love to worship in a beautiful building, a mm. beautiful old mm. Baroque. I love mm. that. Mm. So we were so excited. And it was heresy. It, it really was heresy. It was oh. actually we left, heresy. Right? Was no. Oh. So what happened was they started we in were like, with, there, I'm not going to say the heresies because I, I don't need yeah, to get a bunch right. of emails, but it was heresy. It was mm. literal and heresy. G- it, was, um, it was me, Gianna, and me. Sophia, and my brother. Mm-hmm. And... Gianna was sitting next to me and she leaned over and she was like, we got to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, I said, we're going to sit here mm-hmm. and we're going to open our scripture and we pass notes and the whole time learn. and we examined like the yeah. Bereans and we were like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And cause it's like, you know what? You can't just say that's heresy. Show me where it's heresy. And we, that was one of the best experiences mm-hmm. in a church because it forced us to, to prove our convictions out of scripture. And that was, mm-hmm. It's a great story because it, Gianna's funny line, she's just like, we got to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, she felt unsafe. I, I get it. I get it. Because yeah. they were like, this is not, this is not the Lord. And this is bad what's going mm. on in here. But it was good. It was a good exercise yeah. for us. That's a way that we can um, resolve differences that to allow the Lord to reveal to us through scripture. And, and sometimes through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. that he will speak to you and be like, you got to get out of here. Slow your roll. Back it up. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I felt, and I, I felt that was a really valuable exercise. I was yeah. sitting there and that was memorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was a good opportunity for me to teach my children, don't run away mm. from bad theology. Learn from it. Yeah. Learn essence, what God has to say. In essence, you were doing spiritual warfare too. Yeah. Right? You were taking the, the one offensive weapon that's given to us in that passage mm-hmm. is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of yep. God. Mm-hmm. And you were throwing we were back that. everything that <laughs> we was heresy with the truth of the word of God. Yeah. I wish I had kept all those notes. I might yeah. have them somewhere, <laughs> there, but it was feverish. Yeah. We were all, mm-hmm. I was like, <laughs> yeah. So, so that's a, a great example of the early church going through stuff. We all go through even now. Mm-hmm. And it's comforting to know that the early church had those kinds of struggles. What's our takeaway? Let's just do a global week in review. Jody, go ahead and read 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 23. Okay. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without the law, being not without the law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. So 
basically what Paul's saying there is, I became all things to all people. Yep. I adopted the situation around me to relate to the people that I needed to reach for Christ. I met them where they are. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. good way to re- better way to rephrase it. Do, if we do that, do we water down the gospel and the law? I think I don't mm-hmm. think so. I think it's you're you're doing it better than if you were just not meet them where they are as like it's that's kind of what god does he meets us where we are Mm -hmm. so when we're sharing that with other people we need to meet them where they are like that reminds me of my youth pastor told us like a story when he worked in like a center city i won't say like the city but just like an area that he didn't belong this white man like blonde white man did not belong there Mm -hmm. and he was like i just started playing basketball with him and i was just like talking to him and like and he was like, I had to, like, I had to just, like, let them talk to me about what they needed to talk to me about. And, like, he was like, I, that's what I did. And that's how I got to them. Like, and I think that's so important because yeah. you have to make the people feel safe and, and you, you have to have them trust you because trying to lay the gospel on somebody if they don't trust you is so, like. Yeah, they feel like, judged. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not loved. Yeah. And the gospel judges. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But first it loves. Exactly. I have a little trepidation with that passage as as a person because uh, it's very easy as you're becoming all things to all people to lose sight of who you really are and whose you are. Mm-hmm. And it takes the strength and the faith of someone like Paul to be able to do that, mm-hmm. to be able to be in the world but not of the world. Yeah. And um, yeah. it 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 is uh, as I said. It gives me some trepidation. But Paul's strength comes from the same fount that ours comes from. Mm-hmm. Yep, true. And so true. we are just as equipped. We have just as much potential strength. Right, the potential he, strength. Yeah, yeah. I don't allow. always trust myself. As, yeah, to use and that's it. fair. And you know what? Mm-hmm. The the spirit puts us in different situations that we can handle uh, as he sees fit. Mm-hmm. So I understand that, and I'm not calling everybody to do that, but. Okay, so let's wrap up our practical understanding of the balance between Christ and the law. Just wrap it up. Give me like a two or three sentence. Here's what the relationship is between Christ and the law that I understand after week four of this Bible study, looking at Matthew 5, 17 to 20. Jody. It's all about your heart towards the Lord and his heart towards you. Actually, really, it's his heart towards you first. Mm -hmm. And then our heart back towards him. Mm-hmm. And if if that's there, then the law f- falls right into place because he didn't come to abolish but to fulfill. So it's it's just that it's so kind of that simple, we but just it's kind of it not. Yeah, yeah, that's good. No, yeah, I mean, at the core of it, it is that simple. Yeah, like there's a million things we could talk about, like we just did. But at the core of it, I think that you're exactly right. And it's easy to. Under, easier to understand that it is to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that it is, we can simplify it to that basic understanding. That's good. Okay. Um, and I want to just say this is a really great hinge point in the sermon. It helps us understand the passages before it, the Beatitudes and the Salt and Light. And it very much helps us understand the passages that follow, um, where Jesus really dives into the ethics of kingdom living. So we'll do that next week.
Thanks again for joining us today on Study with Friends. We hope that you've found some deep truths that will strengthen your walk with Jesus. We here at Study with Friends are modeled more like a small group, and we encourage you to find one through your local church. Make sure to find a church where the Bible is taught in every situation. Study with Friends is a completely donor-supported organization. If you've been blessed by our ministry, would you consider donating? Monthly partnerships are particularly helpful, but no amount is too small. We also love to hear from you. You can stay connected on all the major social media platforms or by email. You can find links to all of these on our website, studywithfriends.org. If you've missed an episode and are out on the go, you can catch them on any streaming platform like iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or you can catch the ladies via video on YouTube. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time when we study with friends.